That'll do it. Uh, well, we need some Jack in the Box. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that's going to make this better. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 48 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Stark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. Today we're going to be talking about creating movement in your scenes. But first, Alex, what are we drinking? What are we on today? Well, we got some beer today. Oh yeah, it's a Although hot. we should mention, hmm? uh, we had a little tasty taster of a tasty, tasty uh, whiskey drink that we got the other day. Didn't we do that for last last podcast? Did we? I don't know. I can't, it's all blur. I thought we just had a no, maybe just had a tasty taste for no reason. Taste for no reason. Yeah, well, if we didn't have a last podcast, it's a little whiskey that Alex brought to our attention, to my attention at least. Why don't you tell me what it is, Alex? Um, it's an Angel's Envy rum cask rye, I believe. Right, that is correct. And it's quite good. It is delicious. I'm a big fan of rum, and I don't mean uh, like Captain Morgan rum. I mean, like you know, good sipping rum. And when I heard that there was a whiskey rye that was aged in rum casks i was in it's, it's quite re- good really freaking expensive it's really weird and hard to find for some reason out here yeah for so i think it's hard to find everywhere because it's like small batch but i found some a little expensive but we were uh we were lucky enough to have sold a bunch of stuff so we had a little celebration yeah and bought some not bad and it's delicious not having it now, Delicious. though. No. Having just the regular old Coors Light. We've been uh, running around trying to get some stuff sold, and so a little sweaty sweats, and I needed something cooling me off. Yeah. And it's that is warm over here. Yep. Uh, and I'm we sure say so, as like the people yeah. up in the cold states are like freezing once again. <laughs> 12, de- 12 inches of snow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I know we were complaining about how cold it was a while ago, but. Uh, Gosh, now it's like a, a balmy, warm, like yeah. super hot, like 71. We just <laughs> <laughs> we just can't have any luck. We just can't have any middle. We can't have any midsies. No. Uh, but uh, I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, um, we just can't, uh, can't seem to find a happy medium. LA likes to be super cold for us or a mean, mean hotness. Yeah. And eh, what are you going to do? Drink yeah. beer. Stay cool. Uh, so what's new with us, Alex? Let's, let's ask Trevor what Trevor's reading. What's that? What's Trevor reading right now? Oh, Trevor's reading through uh, NAB stuff. Knew it. Knew it. Guess <laughs> what? That's what's new. NAB uh, 2019 is upon us. I can't us. stop looking at stuff. Uh, he heard my little scrolly wheel. He's like, <laughs> what is that? It's like, I'm looking at all the cool stuff I want to buy with all this money we're making. We I signed up to go, Yeah, um, but knew it was a bad idea. Yep. Uh, not until- I always sign up to go, and I have not yet gone. It is free, guys, so if you want to go sometime, it is in Vegas, so if you're not close to Vegas... It's free for like a, a, an exhibition yeah. show pass yeah. if you get a code, which is really easy to get because everyone <laughs> gives them away because they want you to come see their exhibits. Yeah. Uh, but then they have like workshops and... Um, special panels and like different for. different types of passes you can get, and those that, you know it'll cost money. Yep, um, it's all business, guys. It's all they also business. have um, something called the Young Professional. <laughs> We're neither program. of those. <laughs> they call it YoPro. Oh no! Which I qualified for. I don't even know. Well, you're not young. 
I know. Uh, they must have a liberal a definition. <laughs> a liberal definition. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what that is. I think it's just like you get access to like special youth thing for the youths. The youths. Um, so if you don't know that NAB was going on, you're going to be hit with a lot of what's cool because they are announcing a lot of cool stuff that we, we want to um, but we can't buy it because we still have to sell some more stuff. Yep. Yeah. And, and speaking of uh, buying, we we just got our GH5S. GH5S in the, his house. Which is cool. Uh, Big fan. We don't have a lens for it yet. No, but we did borrow a lens. Got to play around with it a little bit. Yeah, tested it out. Big fan. I, I, you know what? I, I grew up, wet my beak, my filmmaking beak on the Canon DSLRs. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry, I apologize, guys. This is a family-friendly uh, establishment. Okay. Um, on the Canon DSLRs. Sure. Um, and I gotta say, the Panasonic DSLRs are much more intuitive and better laid out. They sure are. Um, I um, mean, for many reasons. I oh. get it. I get it when the GH, uh, the, the not the GH5S, the uh, 5D Mark yeah. II came out. Mm-hmm. It was like the it was beginning, like the first one. Yeah, it was the beginning of the 1080 HD shooting, right? Yeah. And so I understand if it was more still geared towards uh you know photography yeah but at this day and age in this stage of canon dslrs they know that they're being first used for video yet they still are not intuitive for video panasonic gh5 beautiful record red record button well i'd be curious Uh, i'd be curious to see the the percentages of people that are using it primarily for photography i think because i feel like panasonic cameras have really low group of people that are using it for photography that's true but canon i think actually they do um you know there are a bunch of photographers that buy but i don't know um i'm just curious about those numbers yeah that's a good point that's a good point i guess panasonic is uh Better known for video work, so why you know they're not? Granted, there is a section in the the user manual that talks about taking 4K images. So I mean, they yeah. they do expect people to use it for a camera at some point, but I doubt a lot of people are buying a Panasonic H5S for like, hey, guess what? Yeah, I feel like the the buying mentality for Panasonic and even Sony, uh, you know, DSLRs yeah. is is I'm going to buy this for a video camera, and as a special bonus, I get a still camera, whereas <laughs> Canon and Nikon cameras are... Still. I'm going to buy this as a still camera, and a special bonus, I can shoot video on it. Fine, fine, fine. You win this round. I don't know. Uh, Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I, I get what you're saying, though. Um, I still feel that a lot of people are buying these... Uh, uh, these Canons for video work, and you think that the, the video would be a little bit... Well, see, the other thing is Canon has their um, their swanky line of camcorders. Yeah. Which um, are affordable and probably better suited. True. Like the C200 shoots 4K, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, it's 420 or whatever, but whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's got all the inputs and the whatnots for the, the audios. And the, <laughs> you know, it's got like a, a more, it's got like a flip out screeny. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, because like they don't even bother with their screens on the DSLRs, making them like viewable yeah. in different positions, like like uh, Panasonic does. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. It's weird. It's just one of those things where it makes you think they must not care about that market. I don't think that they much. Do. I don't. I really don't think they do. Um, 
So yeah, so we got the GH5S. Next up is going to buy a lens. We got a um, we, we bought a sweet tripod, new to us. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, but yes, we now we got to buy a lens and buy like the whole cage and all that fun stuff for the GH5S and enjoyable um, shit like that. So um, yep, more buying, which is what the reason we are selling everything so we can buy new stuff and yep. make it awesome. Um, and also, uh, just a little thing, um, went on our website today, if you guys haven't heard of it, I think we mentioned it before, it was Gigster. Gigster. Um, it's Good a website. Great website. For viewing locations. For getting upset that people own these houses only to film in them. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't the, know, it didn't seem like it's in a lot of places, so I kind of like scrolled around just to see. It's certainly not in any places, it's like... There's four locations in Las Vegas. There's like one in Death Valley and maybe one in Utah. But like other than that, it's all California stuff. So I don't know if it's available to everyone. Yeah, maybe it's still rolling out to other places. Yeah. Um, but it's very handy for anyone in L.A. Um, yeah. It's unlike other location websites. It actually lists the prices, which is nice. If you go on any location oh, God. Yeah. listing website, it's like great. Here's all these awesome locations. Then you have to contact them and like see if it's even in your price range. But you'll notice so on this particular website, the prices vary so drastically. So it's like why you're wasting time looking at these other ones where it's like you can't even afford that. It's not even close to your price range. It, it, and it's shocking. You're looking at the wrong ones. Yeah, and it's shocking how low some things are. Like yeah. you're like, oh, okay, so this house, $650 an hour, 10-hour minimum. Yeah. That's $6,500 a day. Yeah. Then you look at this entire apartment building or this entire retirement community that's been abandoned and is yeah. like closed. $150 an hour, three hour minimum. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. Crazy differences. It's yeah. like this weird old school mentality again. It's like uh, the location managers or whatever, they don't want you to know because they don't want, they have, there are so many other like location listing websites that they don't want to be undercut by some other one that they don't. They don't put prices up. It's really yeah. weird and upsetting. I feel like Gigster is onto something. It needs to spread a little bit more. It needs a little bit more, more love. In my mind, it's great. It has a lot of houses and a lot of and, and it has a decent amount of like other random things. But yeah. it needs more locations in my mind that feel lived in. That's true. Or like yeah. used because a lot of them are just like really mo like modern or like almost like model homes that are just staged. Yeah. With stuff. It's like no one lives there. It's just staged with stuff. And it's just all mo- like, like you, you could, you could go there and straight up shoot like an Ikea catalog without ever bringing anything in because it's just like, oh God, yeah. And, like and grant, but granted, we did find some sweet, sweet, um, locations that we want to use for future, uh, movies. Yeah. And yeah. more importantly, we found, uh, lo- three locations. Three. That yeah. we want to use for our uh, little horror film that we're, we're putting together. Um, yeah. Um, so, pretty nice. Yeah. Um, it's pretty sweet. I'm pretty excited. The expensive one is uh, the uh, elderly retirement home, and that's going to be pretty expensive, but we only, if we play it right, we only need to shoot there for about five days, days, five days maybe. And then we're at, we're at the cheap places where it's like $86 an hour, $105 an hour. Yeah. Fantastic. Love it. Um, and they look Plus, awesome. Plus, I think you can reach out to them and like contact them for a deal, too. Yeah, and also probably contact them outside of it 
and get a cheaper deal because, of course, Gigster takes money. But hey, we want to support Gigster, so sure, keep doing what you're doing, Gigster. Yeah, we'll keep, we'll go through you. We're we're not going to go around you at all. No, yeah. no. So yeah, that's what we've been doing. We did that tonight, and it was pretty sweet. I was pretty stoked. It's getting me stoked on this uh, this scripted and this idea. We kind of changed it up a little bit. Alex wanted to make it a little more unique, and that led us to Gigster and some really cool stuff that I think uh, mission accomplished for Alex. Mission accomplished. Yeah. All right. So, what's our main? What are we talking about today? Uh, NAB. Yeah. Uh, just call it, talk about cool stuff. No, no. We're talking about um, movement in scenes. Now, either That's physical right. movement or acting movement or blocking movement, but movement within a scene so your scene and your frame is not boring. Yeah. Because man. Even when you're doing just a talk of like a back and forth conversation, you could have movement to keep it interesting. Even a slight dolly in, um, you know, yeah. push it on the dolly. But it's like any kind of stale camera work just makes it so much boring, so much more boring. Yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, I always go back to this. I feel when I worked in acquisitions and I was watching movies all day long. Yeah. It was almost a sign of, you know, should I keep watching this movie to see how they placed the cameras and what they did movement-wise and stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, were they actually, was it just all static shots for an entire scene? Yeah. Did they move the camera? Was it motivated? You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big thing, motivated. That is what we got to, you remember this whole time we're talking motivation. Yeah, and I think there's, um, you know, nowadays there's so many tools for you to move the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can get carried away with it even, do too much movement. Yeah, I mean, for the longest time it was the shaky cam was in because it made it seem more real, especially for yeah. horror films, it was, especially with the found horror footage. Horror films, yeah, or even, um, God, what's that movie I love? <laughs> Collateral, Co- you know? That's a good point, yeah. Great movie. Lots of handheld. That was like shot on a broadcast style camera. Yeah, and I think a lot of... Um, oh, wait, no. That was the Thompson Viper, wasn't it? I don't know. It was shot on a I big, think it was the Viper. A big old camera. Uh, but Well, I think it also comes back to these these TV shows that are super popular, like Modern Family. It uses like zooming yeah. during the scene. And uh, they use it as like a tool. Yeah, and they use it as to make it seem more real or more documentary style. Yeah. and that's I a, think that's almost become like a... Like an it's it's a joke. And it's <laughs> think it's a joke now. Yeah, it's a joke. I, I mean, I think like uh, you know, other things do it to like knowing that everyone knows that that's like a thing. You know, uh, fair, fair. It's I, like I could, yeah. you, you do the whip pan and then like the crash zoom in. Yeah, and get, on yeah. someone like looking confused like for reaction or, or like something. what the hell are you doing? Yeah, um, yeah. So that's a little. That's more a little bit more. Um, manufactured that's fair then i think something like collateral where they're just using it and it's like they're not they may be manufacturing some of it but it's just like a guy holding a camera and it's really hard yeah <laughs> so but with, like with, with something like collateral they could easily put it on a steady cam and make yeah. smooth shots they're they are they manufacturing a in a way they made a choice yeah. but they're not necessarily like uh putting on their boat shoes and like <laughs> putting on their boat shoes and going on a boat around. yeah i don't know uh yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, it, it's, it's also a thing in nowadays. I think it's become such a thing that it's you can see it in um, CG shots that are entirely CG. It's it's one of those it's things where shake. where I first noticed it in like uh, Firefly. 
Did you ever watch that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they had their totally CG shots, and to make it seem more realistic, it was the same, t- almost the exact same shot as you're talking, yeah. we were talking about from... Uh, uh, Use your words. Modern Family. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> where, like, the camera finds it, so there's, like, a spaceship... Uh, yeah. And so the camera like whip pans to the sky, sees a little like cloud of smoke, and then it like crash zooms in and then focuses. Yeah, they do that in like a lot of space movies. It seems. Yeah. So I think they do that in Gravity, where they're like, "Oh God, you don't know where I am." It's like, woof, woof, like the yeah. camera's trying to find it, and and it's it's the same thing. It's like to try to make it seem more organic or like real or something. Yeah, but- I think I also noticed it. I, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a while since I've seen it. But in Iron Man, there's some scenes where like a bomb goes off and they shake the camera, so it seems like the camera's Probably. on the ground, and it really like makes it seem like there's a camera stays there rather than you're just watching, um, in like a godlike status of just watching everything happen. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Same with um, you know, the JJ camera shake from <sighs> Star Trek. Lens flare and the camera shake. Yeah, he would go up and like whack the camera with his hands and just like <sighs> rumble it for JJ. The, the camera shakes. Yeah, I mean, there's there's all there's that kind of camera movement, and then there's also things like dollying, panning, yep. you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the stuff that you would maybe be considered more sort of like classical, uh, or even you know, stuff that Spielberg does. Yeah, that, that old hat. What uh, I mean, what is if I I'm trying to remember correctly what Ballo told me about a motivated dolly move, and I think it was always. In a tense scene, you push in to kind of get closer to the tension and push in to get into the middle of it almost. Like you're coming into a, a tense scene and you're get, kind of putting yourself in between the the two conflicting sides. Sure. Well, when you dolly in also, it's almost like the space is closing in around the yeah. person because you're, you know, it's making it claustrophobic. I mean, you got the, you got the, the crash zoom pan in. Or pull out crash zoom of made famous by Hitchcock and like Vertigo and all that. Oh yeah, and that, that is like what do they call that? Oh, There's man. a name for it. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna look it up. Um, the Vertigo Dolly yeah. move. Yeah, Dolly zoom. Uh, let's see, it's called the Dolly zoom. There we go. A Zolly. Zolly, that's it. A Zolly yeah. or a Hitchcock shot or Hunter shot, but it's called the Hitchcock zoom in Vertigo. And that, I mean, that is to, if nobody's seen Vertigo here, um, all right, uh, pause this uh, podcast and go watch Vertigo. It's a fantastic movie. Spoiler alert, it's by Hitchcock. Yeah, and spoiler alert, the guy in it has Vertigo. Yeah. So spoiler alert, he uses the Hitchcock zoom or the Hitchcock shot or the uh, the Zolly to create this sense of discombobulation and like queasiness that one would get from Vertigo. Um, and that's a great way of using movement within a shot or a frame to really propel the story, make the, the audience feel even more emotion and feel more connected to uh, not even the whole story as a whole, but just that shot yeah. or that scene. Um, that's a great – I love that shot. And, and people use it now as a joke almost. Um, but back then it was like – everyone was like, Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's in a lot of movies, isn't it? In um, it's in like Goodfellas. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, in all sorts of stuff. All right. So, how do you 
self-motivate movement. Let's talk about that first before we get into all the different ways you can move move stuff. Yeah. Uh, as a DP, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite way to move things? To move to motivate to mo- to motivate a move. Like, well, I think one cool thing that I like to see is. You know, establishing shots yep. of like buildings or whatever. Yes, I hate static establishing shots. Right, and they always have. There's always that just kind of classic sort of pan down a building from right? the top of the building down. Yeah, yeah. You see it in like every sitcom. Yeah. It's yeah. just like all over the place. But I kind of like ones where it's like that, and then all of a sudden, boom! You catch someone, and then you move quickly with that person walking or whatever. You know, so it's like you're setting up them up for this the expectation of just like a lame. Sort of like yeah. establishing shot, and then you pick up a person and you move with them at like a rapid pace or something to like increase, you know, the stakes or whatever it's happening. It's just kind of like a, a breakup of pacing. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite stories of that, and one of, I think one of my favorite uses of that is the opening scene of Rosemary's Baby, where it's this ultra wide shot and you see all the cityscape, and then it just follows and it looks like you're just looking at the street. But then after a while, you notice it's following Rosemary as she walks into her apartment building, and then it goes up. And it's like, that is so good, because you think it's just this generic thing. Yeah. Um, and my favorite story is that uh, Billy Fraker, my uh, 290 professor, uh, DP of Rosemary's Baby and uh, uh, Bullet, uh, among many, many other movies, said that they had a platform that was hanging over the side of the building. Uh, uh, across the street from the building that they were shooting. And he, Roman Polanski, and I think maybe the first AC, each took two tries at tracking the shot. And to this day, to the day he died, he never knew, they never knew which shot was used. Because every time they did, each one of them had their eyes closed because <laughs> they were so scared. So they just did six takes, hope that one worked, and one did, and they don't know whose it was. Um, but yeah, it's like that's a great motivation rather than just like panning up or down or tilting left or right to show a building. Yeah, have something happen at the building. Yeah, or you know, you do like the the standard uh, pan, and then it just is a straight cut to like. Yeah, someone inside the building or yeah. something. Like, you know, I'd rather catch oh, yeah. catch the oh, movement. Little burpees. Um, yeah, I know. I'm with you too. Um, I mean, yeah. Granted, you know, everyone expects the character to walk in, but do something. Have something happen. I mean, that's what that's what what makes filmmaking awesome is you can change the expectation of the audience. Yeah. Or you can use the expectation of the audience against them, and that's what Jordan Peele says he does in his movies. Yeah, I mean, and in the same way, you can kind of do the opposite, right? Where you're starting following a character, let's say, like through their apartment, um, you know, across the room, or maybe mm-hmm. they're pacing back and forth on the phone. Yeah, and you're following them, and then at a certain point in the dialogue, the camera moves away from following them and just kind of like tilts and starts to focus on an object that's a key part of the scene or something you know so it's like it's very hitchcockian you're moving (laughs) you're um starting on what could be kind of just a a standard sort of scene and sort of uh, moving away from it to inform the audience of something or you can use it to subvert the like uh, like almost in the beginning like I said before subvert the audience's expectations I've seen it where it's it's starting on two people talking in an office 
and then it's slowly dolly in and they're talking you're like oh these are the main characters and then it just continues to dolly past them to someone yeah. sitting at their desk who is the actual main character and everyone's like oh that's just being clever and whatever but then it's like oh you just from what those people were talking about at the water cooler and this guy's face when you dolly into him you see that he's so bored with work and it's so mundane that you were able to build character right there you're able yeah. to build a situation that wasn't just in an office building it was in an office building where our main character hates his job and is bored by everything yeah um you know it's funny cuz i think i think some of the biggest like if you talk to film nerds a lot of them will like like oh you know if you they have to be real big nerds though you could go to a party and say hey what's your favorite movie and talk to somebody for ten minutes but you have to find the real film nerds to be like what's your favorite scene yeah from a movie and a lot of people will say things that like oh my god the editing and all that was amazing of this scene or the acting um, but rarely do they realize how important the camera movement is yeah like think of like the hallway scene in old boy oh man so good. awesome. And everyone's like, oh, my God, being able to do that whole fight the whole time. Well, if you think about the camera moving back and forth and choreographing that and, like, following the actor perfectly when he was doing moves and all that. Or, I mean, I watched – this is, again, talk to a film nerd. Hey, me. Uh, not a film specifically, but that tracking shot in True Detective Season 1 where it's the fight oh, yeah. in, the, so in, the, in the ghetto. And then it, like, continues on over the fence – yeah, and to the other side with one so shot, and it's like, you know, you if you think about it, shots like that, the camera people, the camera department have to be just as choreographed as every one of the actors and director. Yeah, and they have to go through their whole thing and and hand off things, and um, you know that that kind of stuff is cool, but it also is not just to be cool; it's to to really either tell a story or make the basis for something, and it, it's very useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's kind of like this whole, um, I don't know. There's this, this whole idea of like doing wonders, right? A single shot. Yeah, which is, it's almost like a, a badge of honor or something. I feel like people want to. Yeah. Well, nowadays there's the people, the crazy ones that are like, I'm going to make a whole movie that's a wonder. And that's just crazy. Guys, don't be dumb. Um, But I think... uh there's something really, really awesome about having a scene where there's no cutting or no perceived cuts, and um, yeah, you're just like in, in the shit with them basically as stuff's going down like Children of Men. But see, that's the thing. That's the problem that I have with kind of the, kind of this whole idea of like, oh, you know, the, the one shot's awesome and all that. Because sometimes they use it like they fake it just because they think it adds something to it. Like I never saw it, Birdman. Sure. Like they tried to make it one you shot. Saw that? No, I didn't. I, for some reason, I never caught it. I don't know why. Oh man, it was good. I know, I know, and I need to, I need to, I need to watch it. But it's like that's the kind of stuff where it's like, you know, why did you need to do it one shot if you couldn't pull it off in one shot? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's and somebody it's, saw it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there, there's a, a lot of reason why they did it. Um, but, I don't think it needed to be. I, I just think. Um, Okay. You know, it was a choice. Okay. But I think it in that particular instance and I think with a lot of movies, I, I think they need they feel they need to find a gimmick for their movie. Yeah. You know? That's what I thought it was. Not not to say that like any movie that every movie that tries to do the entire thing as a wonder is doing it just because it's a gimmick. I don't know. Yeah. 
but it's the same thing as like Soderbergh making movies with iPhones. It's like that's a gimmick. Yeah. You know, maybe he doesn't mean it that way per se. I think he kind of does. <laughs> um, and I think he probably got like some weird deal with Apple or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's kind of what that is. And I think it's the same kind of with um, one or shots. I think it's more like the filmmakers being like, I want to do that. And that seems cool. They'll flex their muscles and, and also, show how good they are. Like with True Detective, it's something and Children of Men. It's something that get, gets brought up over and over and over again. Yeah. So you'll always publicity be the almost. guy yeah. that did the cool, over-the-fence oneer yeah. from True Detective. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. It's a badge of honor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I guess it, I guess to me, it's it, I run into the problem where it doesn't add anything to it. Because we're talking here about adding movement to a scene to you know, increase attention increase uh you know excitement increase yeah. and so well, when i it, think the the one or two detective definitely increased oh no, excitement totally i just yeah. guess i guess the fact that they tried to fake a oneer on birdman did it add anything in your opinion i mean other than to me faking a oneer would the be the of it yeah, i don't know to me faking a oneer would be to make it seem like it all happens in super real time where yeah. it's like not stopping and it is a two-hour moment in this character's life and it yeah. takes place in two hours i feel like i i did feel that for most of it um okay then that's it then had, it worked it had kind then of like a, a cool energy about it and the, yeah. the soundtrack was really cool it was almost this sort of like uh percussive uh almost like moving with uh the camera in terms okay. of like the beat and the pacing or whatever okay okay so it's kind of cool in that way um, I can get on board with that then. There was one man. It was one of those things in the movie. Um, and leave leave us a comment if you feel the same. Uh, there was one shot where it was like a very clear edit. Really? Did they try? Do you think they were trying to hide it, or it was just like there's they, a clear edit? It was like this can't even. To me, it was like this can't even be counted. As a movie that is trying to be a one take, even like mimic a one take, because it's so clearly hmm. an edit. It was a CG move. Interesting. Where they like moved from, I can't even like quite remember, but it was like the camera moved from outside. Okay. Um, across the street, like through a glass pane into the, the, uh. So he fingered it. Yeah, there was like some weird finchery thing. Okay. And it wasn't even that well done, I didn't think. And I was just like, what was that? You know? Yeah. That bothered me. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I do think, though, for that one, there was uh, something unique enough about okay. it that I was like, okay. Then fine. I like it. That's okay. Then, that, then that's a motivation, and I'm okay with that. Rather than this idea of like, uh, you know... Uh, it's just to to have bragging rights almost. Yeah. And I think it definitely definitely think it was worth it and it added to it for True Detective. But I hadn't yeah. seen Birdman, so I just wanted to know. Um but yeah, okay. So Do you, you ever wonder speaking of oh, oh God. So if you if you ever uh if any of you guys are interested in this type of stuff, you might want to check out something like uh American Cinematographer magazine. Love that magazine. Great magazine. Um and you'll see all these crazy rigs, right? <laughs> that that the filmmakers make 
just out of like pipes and rods and yeah. clamps and stuff and they like attach it to cars in really weird spots yeah. or they like, put it on top of a, a pole that it shouldn't be on and they like hang it over and they do this weird sort of like pulley system you mm-hmm. know weird stuff right yeah and I'm sure it takes tons of planning yeah and tons of prep tons yeah. of setup and I'd be curious yeah to see to make a, a project right yeah side by side okay um that does the same shot, but doesn't use the rigs. Not necessarily side by side, but just like someone that does something simpler. Yeah, and then someone that does those complex ones. Play them for audiences and see if there's like and that it was much worth it. Yeah. of a drastic difference in the, how they perceive the movie. I think one of the craziest rigs I ever saw. With speaking of children of men, again, do you remember the oh, the car scene? The car scene. Yeah. Did you see the rig that was made for yeah, that? So it was cool. like another car on top, yeah. and so they had the the actors that had to. You know, lean back in the chair as the camera passed over them, then pull up the chair again and all this. And it was all choreographed one shot within a car. And I was like, damn. Crazy. Another That's movie I did that was uh, I Saw the Devil. Yes. The crazy, that movie. crazy stabbing scene. Um, uh, so, I mean, we went from Tilt and Pan. Wow. To uh, one shots and how we're crazy, all yeah, we're, we're all, all over the place. place. So now, da- uh, dollies and sliders. Uh, I think dollies and sliders. Well, I don't think we even that was. We were just talking about motivating movement. Yeah. So let's go back to like different ways. God, yeah, you man, can, we we just went all over the place. Different Sorry, guys. ways you can move the camera to create movement. So the first one is pans and tilts, kind of the most basic. Yeah. Pan and, pan up to reveal something. Uh, you know, hide something from the audience and pan up. Tilt oh, tilt. Up. Oh, God. I always do that. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I literally do that. And when I'm, when I'm directing, I have to be like, wait a second. Tilt. No. Yeah. Tilt up to reveal something. Someone's yeah. standing, you know, above you. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like it's super underrated. Move. Pans and tilts. There's so, like, you can use them so well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're underutilized. Yeah. People I, think they're like lazy or lame. I think lame. they're great. Yeah. It's one of those things where, again, not, not necessarily. It's not like it's a competition, which one's yeah. but, but like the idea of doing a slide on a slider mm-hmm. and a pan. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of instances you could do a pan. It would take a fraction of the time. A lot less setup. Um, and same, same result. Same result. Yeah. Now, obviously that's not true all the time because yeah. a slider will give you parallax in a different way. Mm-hmm. The the tripod head is not moving, um, you know, laterally. It's just yeah. spinning. Yeah. So you're getting a different, like, it's a different move, obviously. But um, I'm just saying it's something to consider more seriously while you're planning your shots, I think. Yeah. Now, do you think a pan and tilt um, are the biggest motivation for those are a reveal? Yeah. Like, uh, you're, you know... Like, like we said, even if it's a simple reveal of a of an office building in the beginning, you you want to bring everything. You want to show everything you can um, in frame that doesn't fit there. So you pan or tilt. So yeah. you have somebody happen, something happen off frame. You tilt, tilt up to reveal it, or you pan to the right to reveal something that happened. Yeah, you know, I mean that's like J.J. Abrams saying he wanted lens flares to always make it seem like something was happening off of frame. Yeah. So you always get like this idea of like pan or tilt to reveal what was happening. Outside of the frame. Yeah. And there's also the idea of, you know, following people. If you're on a long lens and the camera's kind of far away, you can do a pretty nice, you know, follow of someone yeah. with yeah. just 
a pan. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, so going back to kind of like unexpected things, did you ever watch Ozark? Yeah, love it. So there's that uh, scene when he's walking up to his wife's uh, office building or whatever. Her, yep. Her boss's office building. And oh. there's like a tilt down. I don't think it was even her boss. It was just, yeah, just some dude. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it wasn't even an office. It was uh, his apartment. His apartment. Is he talking about like the first or second episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like the standard, you know, he's walking out and it's kind of like a a slight tilt down to reveal Jason Bateman walking up to the the apartment. And then yeah. all of a sudden there's just like oh. a dead body that falls and oh, hits. so good so good so good that's one of those things where again it's like you're just expecting like an establishing shot of him walking to the building and then you want to see the building and then you're going to see him them cut into when he gets into the building and that's like what you're expecting and then bam hits body it. hits the ground uh fantastic but you can the motivation could be to mess with the audience it, it allows you by moving the camera you can also move the audience's gaze so if you want to kind of hide something you can move them away from it yeah. Like that. Like if you want to, you if you want to trick them into thinking, oh, you're just going to go look at the building, and then boom, add some surprises. It gives you control over what the audience sees and feels. Yeah, a lot easier than you'd think with anything else. Yeah, I feel like next we should talk about handheld because it's also kind of one of the yeah. more basic ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. also, you can combine. <gasps> you can do pans and tilts while it's on your shoulder. What? Yeah, and and uh, maybe not as smooth. But, yeah, not as smooth. But <laughs> JB Smooth. This is um, why they call Trevor the human tripod <laughs> in uh, film school because he was good at pans and tilts. That was it. I couldn't that do it. And of course, when I panned, I was saying tilt, and as I was tilting, I was saying pan. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, um, it's the hand the the handheld. So there's there's some. It's it's funny because as we're talking about this stuff. Like, there's more and more technology to remove the shake. Yeah. And so it's like... I love the shake. I I, th- I think th- I think the shake uh, can be overdone, and it makes my head hurt sometimes. Oh, for sure. Uh, and it just makes me nauseous, and I'm just like, okay, enough with the shake. For sure. But, I should I should clarify and say, I don't love the shake. I love the handheld look. Okay. You know, it doesn't need to be shaky. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, like, born supremacy. Like, I thought, like, maybe uh, Cloverfield had a little bit, a couple too many shakes. Yeah. But again, that was... They did that, I feel... Like for, for that straight effect of like panic and I like have a, a handy cam. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a found footagey thing. Yeah. Um, but I like handheld for a couple reasons. One, you can do all the moves. You can do a handheld version of a dolly move. Yep. A handheld version of a steady cam move, a jib move. Yep. yep. Uh, a painted tilt. Yep. A tripod move. You can do it all and have, you know, a little bit of a style to it and move much quicker between them. So, yeah. like, for example, we did a short where we had a very limited time in a, in a location, and I had set it up so it was pre-lit, basically, with no stands on the ground, so we could shoot in any direction, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. Um, and we did it all handheld Yep. just to make it really fast because we didn't want to have to deal with, like, doing setups and, like, setting up sliders and yeah. moving them in and out of place, like, changing the heads and, like, doing all that stuff, right, that you have to do. Uh, leveling and all that. Yeah. Um, so the correct way to do stuff. So dumb. Yeah. So dumb. So we did a handheld, which it also. I mean, my. I mean, I just like the style of it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't shaky. It was just kind of had the the slight like 
movement, the coin, yeah. like like the jitters almost. Yeah, and you're able to get one shot. Yeah, stand up, move to the next shot, get it, do yeah. a little uh, move. That's like because it's handheld, it's not quite as like um, I don't want to say static, but just like. Uh, it's not quite as rigid. Still, I would say still, and like yeah, as like a pan, a yeah. normal pan, right? Because it has like this full movement to it, and you're kind of like moving your whole body and tilting and like doing yeah. all this stuff. So you can do just a pan, and it feels different yeah. in my mind. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally with you. And so in that particular one, we did a lot of in, like pans and tilts, and uh, that were sort of like connective tissue as it Mm -hmm. were to like the edits and stuff like that so we were able to like sort of pan and like grab a new shot of a second character and then cut to an over the shoulder of the other guy and like you know it was kind of this uh motivation to edit really and you can do some really crazy angles as well when you're handheld you don't have to worry about putting out the legs of the 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 spreaders of a tripod and making this leg a little lower and all that kind of stuff yeah and it's it's and I would say that if we're talking no budget filmmaking, handheld is really great because it's quick. It's quick, quick. and if it if your if your short or your feature works with handheld, like it's not distracting and it's not going to be seen as like unprofessional or like just cheap. Like if yeah. it just works for the story. It's it's a great way to to motivate your camera as well as just move things along a lot quicker. Yeah. And I think a good example, like we said before, was is collateral. There's a um, mm-hmm. there's a uh, a shot that I will always remember because okay. I just you know, saw it the other day. This so. probably isn't a good thing. I don't know uh, that I remember it, and it so clearly like hit me. Okay, there's a scene when Tom Cruise is getting out of an elevator. Okay, um, and they do what I would call a poor man's uh, jib move. Okay, where the the camera operator clearly was lifting the camera. Uh, either I can't remember if it was over his head and then he brought it down, or if okay. it was on the ground and he brought it up and then started walking out of the elevator with him. It was just so so clearly to me like camera guy picking up camera, it was, putting it on his shoulder. It was early, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. so. And I think it was a fo- it was low to high to reveal Tom Cruise. So you see the feet walking, yeah. and then it's like, oh, Tom Cruise. And it might have been the first time we see Tom Cruise because in the beginning of the movie, he's in that. That office building. Yeah. And then he gets picked up by Jamie Foxx when he's at um, Jada Pinkett Smith's office. Yeah, it could have been. And, and they could have been like, because, I mean, here you have Tom Cruise, super recognizable, bleach blonde hair, yeah. short hair, and a badass. I think it was, I, I may be completely wrong on this, but I think it was low to high. Yeah. And it still worked, though. It still worked. But but I was like, oh man, that's crazy. They did like a jib shot with, and clearly a guy was just picking it up off the ground. Yeah. Uh, and it, but it worked. It was kind of cool. I mean, I liked it. Yeah. Anyway. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying there. Uh. So so handheld, you know, the shake. If as long as it's not super super shaky, for reasons that you think make it look cool, it works. It still works. I yeah. mean, that's why people love shoulder rigs because they can just free roll the camera. Yep, 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 yep. Like okay. It. Now we have dollies and sliders. Like we said, this kind of dolly and slider moves are kind of like, you know what, it's, to me it's always like, especially when you have a dolly that is like, is a really good dolly that can then just work as a tripod if you're just doing a static shot, can easily, you know, pedestal can go up and down. Yeah. Um, to me, sometimes 
this is going to sound so anti no budget filmmaking. Dollies are kind of like the cheat code. Like, sure. oh, what's going on in the scene? Let's make it so it's not so boring. Okay, well, let's just do a small dolly move. Yeah. Just to move the landscape a little bit. And, yeah. you know, it's hard to say that that's a cheat move when dollies are so freaking expensive. Except the duddy dolly. Um, yeah. Duty dolly. Um, but, like, stuff like that. It's like, I feel like when, like, there's a lot of reasons you use a dolly move. Again, a reveal or to follow along with someone on a walk and talk or, you know, to move really fast and follow along like a car or like an explosion or or somebody running or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then also at the same time, it's it's a way to just like add a little movement into your scene when you don't have anything and you're just trying to make it interesting. Yeah. Well, I also to me, so dollies in particular, not so mm-hmm. much sliders. Yeah. Um, have a vibe of polish to it. Yes. More precision, I would say. So so when you see them, they are um to me it like it, it creates a vibe in the movie that's like this like the filmmakers made this movie the best they could. You know, it was like yeah. they leveled every that's piece fair. of track. Yep. They put they, they took great put care. out like forty feet of track. Yeah. And this whole thing and they like are pushing it. There's like marks and yeah. you know, it's like, it's a whole deal. Yep. Um, and plus dollies just have like a weight to them that you yeah. can feel. I think, yeah. you know, sliders are lighter. They have a little jitteriness to them and you have to use them in a specific way, but dollies, you can move so slow and have like s- such smooth moves. Uh, it's just different, you know? And so to me, we're talking like real dollies. Um, like crab dollies and stuff, things that have like real weight to them. Not so much, you know, doorway dollies, you can kind of get that, but it's just not yeah. the same. Yeah. Like um, a, a, a hefty dolly yeah. is on like a really nice, Ugh. smooth, balanced track. It's just nice, you know, with, you, with baby me, powder on it, just smooth. to me, it just it, like it means Hollywood, you know, and so to me, that means polished and it's like a real movie. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that's not to say that I think only movies that have dolly <laughs> moves are real movies. Way to, way to make everyone feel like shit for their movie. Um, but I, I just think uh, they're very specific. They take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, you really, if you're going to use them, you have to use them right. So that means you have to level them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. And you, so there has like, to be reason spe- for it almost. Yeah, there has to be reason for it. And, um, you know, there's specific people that are just dolly grips you know and they do that for a living and because it's such like an important and specialized thing uh it's something to consider you know yeah when when you're going about it because i think sloppy dolly moves can be a sign of a low budget film you know you you might as well just not do a dolly and that's why i say sometimes it just seems like it's a it's a cop-out it's like we just need to put a little movement in here let's throw a dolly move in yeah um especially when you have a doorway dolly that's like not super um hard to put together but is shows that it's not hard to put together. Yeah. And because you're just bumpy and all that. Um, and so I would say that a dolly move is – and like sliders is the same thing. It's like a, a kind of like a – I mean for those who don't know, it's like, a, it's like a baby dolly. It's a baby. It's a baby dolly. And we do that – we do a lot of sliders when we are using – doing interviews, a second camera, just yeah. to kind of add movement and to make the, the frame pop. Sure. Um, 
you know, like we said earlier, the dolly, the dolly, or the slider too, because it's again just a smaller miniaturized dolly, basically, um, is to kind of like build tension or like you, know, you can also use it as a re- reveal. Yeah. Uh, dolly out or slide out and and show something and you know create a bigger frame, but a lot of the times it is something that is is used to kind of build tension. I would say or yeah. ease tension. Like like at the end of a uh, uh, think of the Godfather when he's sitting in his chair in the very beginning, Marlon Brando, and the dolly yeah. pulls out to kind of just disconnect you from the evilness that is the Godfather and just kind of put him into this like shadowy, like godlike figure. Uh, a, a great dolly move can really add a lot of emotion to, uh, to a shot. Yeah. And I think um, sliders nowadays have become so popular because they are so much smaller they're easier to set mm-hmm. up. Yep. Um, the track is usually speed rail or some type of other sort of steel bar or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't really have long dolly moves yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Because real dolly track is machined to connect and be almost seamless. Like, as seamless as possible. Yeah. Uh, when it's moved across, but when you you can't necessarily do that with two pieces of speed rail, no, and expect there not to be like a groove that you thwap over. <laughs> oh, and you'll feel it. You'll feel yeah. it. Um, so so slider moves um, are usually shorter. Yep. Slower. I yep. mean, they're just kind of like accent pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to do. Um, it's to me, it's like hard to to get like a grand feeling out of a slide. Yeah, I think we did it okay in that one when we shot the uh, promo video for Kill Me Next. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. I like that one. Yeah. It was a it was a car pulls up, cameras it was shot at Larry's studio and the way the Larry studio set up the parking lot is about 3 or 4 steps up from the actual entrance to the building. So if you put your doll your slider down, you could be about even with the ground and or like yeah. you could easily be headlight level of a car. So it was headlight level, um, uh, character gets out, we see the feet, we slide to the left as the character's walking towards us, and then Alex handed me this, the, the, the handle of the, uh, the head, and I then pushed it back to the dolly as the person walked by the camera. And it looked pretty cool. It was one of those, you know, cool, single shot yeah. movements. Yeah, so I think there, there's ways to sort of try to push it a little yeah. bit, but... For the most part, I think it's an like Alex said, it's an accent piece. You're not going to do a lot with a slider because they do, are so short. You can do one of those slow, small push-ins or like pull-outs. Yeah, yeah. you can do slides to reveal things or like mm-hmm. small moves. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like I like sliders a lot. I do too. I think there's a lot you can do with them. Uh, a lot you can get out of them. But I like, it's just not the same. I like dolly, <laughs> and I like dollies too. Um, and that's why we have a $20,000 Chapman dolly that we're trying to sell, if anybody yep. is interested. But those can be very cumbersome to set up. Um, and, and travel with. And travel with, exactly, which is why we're selling it, if you know anybody who's looking for one. Um, so, uh, yeah. But then I also added this in while we were talking. Cranes and jibs. Yeah. Because you talked about Ozarks. And I think, if I remember correctly, there's this great tilt as well as a crane shot where it cranes up and tilts down to show them sitting on the edge of a cliff and the giant Lake Ozark Yeah, right there. And yeah. that's an awesome way to do a reveal. Sure. High and high pointing down. Um, yeah. 
Especially when I, I like that when the camera starts off at a normal camera height. So you yes. don't you're not aware of it at That's the beginning of the shot that it's about to move beyond what is normally expected. That you're about to get face smacked yeah. with with a sweet uh pan and tilt. Yeah. I like that too. I also like combining uh jibs with dollies. Yeah. There's um a really cool idea of uh and I never really think about it too much. Okay. If you had a uh a shot where you wanted to move the camera over tables or something. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have the camera on a jib, have the jib on a dolly, and dolly forward so that um, the camera's moving over something. The jib, the, where, yeah, the, where the camera wouldn't normally be able to dolly because like yeah. a table's there or yeah. something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing that type of shot. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and you can get some inexpensive cranes and jibs that do a good job. Kessler makes some really good ones. Um, and, you know, I, again, I think it, a, a jib or crane is a really good way to do a reveal. We did a one of the shorts we did where it was just me and Alex acting, shooting, doing everything for it. We did a, a not-so-elegant jib shot Oof, where where Alex stopped and then looked below him and we quickly – craned up and looked down to show what he was standing on. Yeah. It wasn't pretty at no. all. There was no remote head, so it was just like the yeah. crank on the... Yeah, it was just... Uh, just doing it all manual just, style. And we, and we didn't even have a monitor. Nope. Didn't have a monitor because we were just flying by the seat of our ass. Uh, so, but that that's a great way to do a reveal. Yeah. You know, move up uh, in, same in the same shot instead of like the old, I'm looking down, cut. Shot from above, nah, that's not motivated. That's not that's not pretty. Yeah. It's just it's uh typical. Yeah. Gotta gotta change the expectations of your shot. Yeah. Um and now yeah. and we talked about this a little bit with a handheld shake, but finally the, the, the ways to move is gimbals and stabilizers. Those yep. are becoming more and more popular. Um I think we talked when did we talk? Uh last time about how we're kind of anti gimbals these days. I'm a little anti-gimbal these days yeah. because the mechanical nature of them fails so often. So often. Um, I think it's yeah. it's almost, I don't know. I don't want to say it's not worth it because it is worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, There's a lot of really cool applications for it. Yeah. Um, it's just it, until the technology is so stable that yeah. it you can operate it without fail. I just don't even... Like, I'd be afraid to be a gimbal operator as, like, a profession, whereas I would not be afraid to be a Steadicam operator because no. Steadicams just work. Yeah. Always, because it's mechanical. It's like a, it's like a uh, ball bearings. Yeah. You know, once, it, once you put more electronics and more motors in, there's so many more things to fail. That's yeah. why it's like, like, it comes to, like, think of, like, cars back in the day. Back in the day when they didn't have all the electronics and computers... They were very simple to fix. Yeah. Now it's like I had to freaking replace the the uh, the main and computer. And they lasted forever. Yeah, I had to fix the main main computer on my freaking car that I bought less than a year ago. Granted, thankfully Mazda helped me out. Thanks a lot, Mazda. Much love. What up? Um, but like that's just another thing that can fail. Um, yeah. You know, it just they're great, but they still need to be perfected. They still need. They still have time to grow. Time to grow for sure. Um, and, and the whole point of stabilizers and gimbals is no movement. Well, I yeah. mean, no, you, no unwanted movement. No unwanted movement. Like, yeah, you can do your pan and tilt, 
Um, but you know, no shakiness at all. You want it to be yeah. smooth as you're walking. And these, these are, I mean, one reason that people really like these is because they are replacing the, uh, the dolly. People can walk with these and do like a dolly push or dolly pull out without having to set up a dolly. Same, smooth. Well, same with like um, steady cams. Yeah, right? yeah, so, exactly. So steady cams used to be really expensive, mm-hmm. specialized. You had to be yeah. trained basically in how to use them and practice yeah. a lot. Yep. It wasn't just something you could pick up and use. Um, and so gimbals come along. You can uh, turn it on and pick yep. it up and get like kind of cool shots out of it. It doesn't require a lot of practicing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's now accessible for everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're not that expensive. Not that expensive. But they do have the drawbacks. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, it is, it's one of those things where I almost think of them as totally different things. Gimbals and stabilizers? Uh, gimbals and, like, steady cam. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, because they get kind of different shots. When you have a, a gimbal, it's on a sled that is, like, three feet. And so when you do a – it's not even – it's. I guess it is a tilt. Yeah. But it's almost like a tip because yeah. <laughs> because it's tipping over yeah. at a different uh, nodal point or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's all it's different, and then um, I don't know. The pans feel different. It's yeah, operated by a person. Yeah, it's definitely a a weird look when you do pans and tilts from a gimbal. Yeah, it's it's at least when I've seen it, it's too RC feeling. There you go. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, there's not enough finesse yet. You know what it is? It's almost like it's. Just so jerky and sudden. So it's like, here, here. Rather yeah. than like a smooth start and finish. Yeah, or if it is a smooth start and finish, it's like too perfect. Like they keyframed out, or not the keyframed out, but they they added the um, uh, smoothness on the out, the ins and outs. Yeah. So when they push the joystick, it like feathers in at the same rate that it feathers out at the yeah. end. And it's just like too perfect, you know, or like that's there's it. Like it's an too un- perfect. There's an uncanniness to it, yeah. That uh, that isn't quite organic. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you on that. That's but a good there's point. a lot of cool stuff you can do with it because unlike a, a steady cam, you don't have to be strapped to it. Nope. So you can pass it off to people. Mm-hmm. You can unhook it from things. Yep. So you've seen all these crazy, uh, you know, behind the scenes things where people have it hooked up to like cables and they've and pulleys, yep. and then someone will come over and unclip it and start Grab it running and with it, it yeah. or they'll like clip it to a a drone, and the drone will take off, or vice versa. You know, you've seen all these crazy things uh, that you couldn't get really any other way. So it is a a cool tool that uh, should be considered for certain things. Yeah, and, you know, think about how you can use it, but also I think think about like don't think it's a a, a fix all. It's yeah, not, no. Or just like uh, the only tool. Yeah, it's exactly. Not, and They can fail. They can fail, and it just isn't the same. You know, I, I don't think a, someone walking with a gimbal necessarily could replace a dolly. No. I mean, they try to, but no, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, love, I love a dolly. It just has a different look. Like the background and the surrounding yeah. area around it just looks smoother almost on a dolly. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how you get 
um, get movement in your in your uh, thing, at least from technical s- standpoints. Yeah. Um, there is also ways in just moving your actors, blocking it out. Sure. You know, if some if somebody uh, just think about your daily life. If you are like me, you are always multitasking or have ADD or something like that. So I tend to be doing something when I'm talking to people. I tend to be cleaning up the kitchen or moving stuff around and having conversations. So just think about how you can go about moving your actors in in the frame to give some movement without moving the camera. You know, have an actor get up and and uh, walk away if they're really upset while they're still talking, but then come back before they leave the frame. Yeah. Um, have your actors go from standing to seated. Um, have them do something on the screen that just makes it seem like it's a part of life rather than them acting it out like a play or like a monologue. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something uh, – so I think there's a couple different ways people go about this. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I feel like one good way to start if you don't know what to do mm-hmm. is uh, put your actors in the location and tell them – to go about it however they feel they would naturally. Yeah, right? okay, yeah, that's good. That's so, good. So you can see, um, you know, what they think the characters would do in terms of like moving and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Then from there, you can uh, work around them and say, okay, if they will move on this, they like to move on this uh, line, and I can uh, swing around over here. Yeah. Uh, and do a slider move over here and kind of like build it around what they've created. Yeah. And this is why movies take so long. You, you rehearse this, yeah. you block this, and then you shoot one scene. <laughs> alternatively, you could have it all prepared ahead of time um, and just tell the actors where to go because you know already what you want to do and where you want them to be. Or you need them to be someplace. Like if yeah. you need them to be like at the door by the time they finish because they're going to open the door before – right as someone's about to knock and reveal this person. Yeah. So there's, there are some motivations of like moving an actor to uh, move the story and the scene along that you need them to do. And that in that case, you have to tell them it can't be all organic. It has to be like – you have to end here. Now, if it's – you know, we start here, end here, however you want to get there is fine. That's yeah. great. But just remember, you got to also, if you're going to do some close-ups or some pickup shots, you're going to also have to edit this together. So they're going to have to be pretty consistent with their movements so that you can get it in another angle. Yeah. And I think, um, just from my experience, I think generally actors like to have a little direction. They don't necessarily want yeah. you to tell them exactly where to stand at every line or like... Uh, you know, if it's not necessary for you or for them, they don't want to know every single, you know, move yeah. that they're supposed to make because yep. that's going to stifle their performance. But um, I do think sometimes if it's not a scene that has action built into it, yeah, it's useful to come prepared with ideas of what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you can al- always ask them or like start it out by having them walk through it. Knowing that if you don't like what they've decided to do or they couldn't come up with anything, yeah. um, you have backups and then you're able to uh, implement those. And it's. Yeah, I think one thing you could say, when I, I always say this to actors when you're trying to implement uh, movement that's not in the script or not needed to be at an ending point, it's like, oh, does that feel natural? 
Because if it doesn't feel natural for them, it'll look, it'll show up on on screen. What am I doing with my hands? Yeah, exactly. Sit on them. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, it's something like that. Like if it's not natural, the movement's not natural. It will sh- it will show itself and it will look bad. Yeah. Um, so definitely talk to the actor while you're doing this movement, and especially if you add a day of or as you're filming with them um, and going through rehearsals. Uh, say, hey, does this feel natural to you? Do you do you think your character would, you know, slowly tap a knife on the on the counter because they're very upset? Um, yeah. You know, something like that. Uh, yeah. But just talk to your actors. They'll listen. They'll talk and work with you. All right. I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, how long was that? Well, according to my watch, Uh-oh. we're at an hour 14. Oh, God, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, real quick before I forget, look up a, a, a one take that they did for kidding that, like, just yeah, pretty good. it worked. It one shot worked through multiple seasons and years, um, and it was just all about blocking and it was everyone blocking all props. hands. Yeah, all hands on deck. You move this prop here. This camera goes here. We're good. You know, there's no dialogue, so we're going to call out who needs to move where at what time. But it's an awesome use of a one shot to show the passage of time, rather than just cutting through a montage. Yeah. It was like a one-shot montage. It was fantastic. Just look it up. You'll find it on YouTube. Uh, but we, we'll keep moving forward onto what's cool. So what's cool, Alex? All right. What's cool? Yeah. I mean, a lot of cool stuff because NAB is going on. Yeah. Oh, God, so much cool stuff. Got an email from Hive the other day about the Bumblebee 25C, which I'm kind of a big fan of. I am too. It's like a, almost a little hockey puck. I mean, it's not yeah. really a hockey puck, but mm, it's two, just like two, a, two hockey pucks. Yeah. It's like a little um, Hive wasp. Uh, it's a quarter of the power, yeah. Uh, but it's full color control. It's mm. kind of tiny. It has mounting points all over mm, it, yeah. Uh, and you can use the same Profoto uh, accessories and like speed rings and stuff. And um, while I got that email, they also told me that uh, there's an Android app now oh, for their finally. for their products, which is cool. Android for life. So, yeah. oh my gosh, excited about you. that. I feel like we might add some of those. You think so? Yeah. Okay. We'll add to the gear list. You know, because they're so che- they're only like three hundred dollars. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's crazy awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I got the Canon uh, Sumiri PL Primes. They just re- they just announced these and they're showing them off at uh, NAB. Uh, it's a set of uh, what do we got here. I think it's seven lenses. Yeah. They got uh, eleven blade iris. Yep. The color. Tone is unified throughout all the lenses. Sure, and uh, as it should be. as it should be, and it's seventy five hundred dollars a lens. Right about that, they have a uh, fourteen at three point one, a t three point one. Then it's twenty twenty four thirty five at one point five, fifty eighty five at one point three, and a one thirty five at two point two. So nice. pretty fast. Um, can it make some it's good glass? It's interesting to me that they decided to make them all not uniform. In the speed, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, you know, maybe they're trying to make sure that everything's uniform, other than the speed. They're just trying to maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They also, uh, I read a different article about it where they were talking about how they wanted the lenses to give a more sort of filmic look, like a softer look. Mm. Yeah, than okay. some of their other lenses. Yeah, yeah. And so some people were questioning if these were the new. Uh, K35s, which are these cool old school vintage Canon primes that they used to make. They had like a coating on it that gave it a look. Yeah. And you can't really recreate. They're like very well known lenses. Yeah. Uh, vintage lenses. Um, 
that are very popular now. Very popular. Uh, and so people are like, oh man, are these the new, are, are these like K-35s? For the new age? Uh, but Canon was like, no, they're different. <laughs> of Guys, course. they're different. You still buy those old ones, uh, but then also buy these. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, they look pretty cool though. They, they, they started putting out some, uh, some test footage with them. And they look pretty good, but they are very they are very smooth and soft. Yeah, buttery. Like, like yeah, like butter, like sweet butter. sweet. But yeah, I could see them. I could see why people get them confused for the the thirty five the the K thirty fives. Yeah, uh, because they are very smooth. But I like I like the look of them. I like what they do. Yeah, and oh, also, it's the first uh, Canon lens primes. Yeah, I believe that they offer in PL mount. Yeah, that's true. So yep, it's that's. Huge for you Canon people that like your PLs. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Check those out. Check those out. About 7500 per uh Per lens. Per lens. So not bad. Not bad. What do you got? This is kind of weird. Okay. Um, a little weird. Okay. I don't know. I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, Blackmagic uh, has introduced their sort of 80s and 90s looking jog shuttle keyboard they call it their davinci resolve editor keyboard okay um it's kind of like a big keyboard yeah with colored buttons specifically for davinci resolve mm. it has a jog wheel okay uh, to the right and it looks totally like retro-y just in that yeah it does it's like a big chunky keyboard yeah with the handrest built in with the handrest the re- with like the colored keys yeah sporadically sprinkled about so, I don't know who might want this, but I, yeah. it's kind of interesting, but it's $1,025, which seems... Wait, what? Unreal. What? Yeah. $1,000 for a keyboard with a jog wheel? Yeah. Get the F out of here. I know. Who do you think you are, Black I Magic? I know. Interesting. But also, I guess I should I mean, note that they've added... I mean... They they always do like a press conference, like yeah. a live release Apple style kind of thing. Um, and so they also announced that they have a new battery grip for the Pocket 4K camera. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It's $245. They also have um, added scope and calibration capabilities to its new SDI to HDMI converter. Nice. You know, nice. Black Magic coming things. out with some stuff. A few things. Oh, I also saw, I don't have it on here. But they announced a thing that you can hook up to a monitor, okay, to create what they call a dream a dream color monitor from any. Oh, monitor. so it would automatically like you can, calibrate. You can use um, normal calibration tools, but it gives a higher level of like color calibration than your monitor like normally has built in. And it also can include now, then like scopes. You can add scopes to it. Oh, I mean, it's got to have at least a. Uh, it's got to have at least a kind of a, a, a list of what it's compatible with. Because if your if your uh, monitor doesn't have the range of a dream, uh, you know. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Interesting. No, I mean, they. Cl- I, I don't know. I'm trying to look this up again. I don't know if it's uh It just. I think it was the, uh, what was it? Resolve 16. We got the editor keyboard. Um, what else? I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. Um, 
this is really great uh, podcast. As we're just sitting here trying to figure that with this all, uh, the hyperdeck. Oh my god! Let's talk about what they the. For some reason, they decided that they needed to release something that would take thirty-five and sixty millimeter film and put it through Thunderbolt. Yeah. Um, and it's like what? Why? Why? Um, but yeah, they 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 released that. It looks like two turntables, and for some reason, their their promotional shot is a woman walking through her like very ultra uh, modern house, and it's just on the wall with <laughs> nothing hooked up to it. So it's like, all right, cool. Um, well, while you're looking for that, I'm going to talk about the uh, the Teradek. Uh, they had, they just released a whole new wireless follow focus system. Um, you know, we have the uh, Red Rock Micro, and we like it. But let me tell you, if, if, when it comes to wireless any, anything, I'm kind of trusted Teradek more than anyone else, simply because they are so well-versed in wireless capabilities and, and latency and making sure that things are super responsive and super accurate. So they released this whole setup, which is you have the uh, K... uh, CTRL.3, so Control 3, which is a three-axis Bluetooth follow-focus system. And it, uh, you know, has your wheel, all that kind of stuff. It also has, like, a a zooming and a uh, a focus kind of, like, jog joystick. Um, It also connects with small HD monitors to give you real-time info on your lens, what focal length you're at, um, how much the iris is open, all that kind of stuff. Um, it has a mappable, mappable iris slider, uh, so you can you know figure out here I want it to be this open, here I want it to be this open. It connects with the uh, MDRX receiver, and then also the Motor X uh, motor, which makes sense. You need the motor. Uh, so it's this old new system, and Teradek is really good at uh, removing latency for all their products, especially when it comes to wireless video. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so I'm interested to give this a go, see what it's like. Um, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, um, but nothing from Teradek ever is. Um, let's see. The Control 3 is 3500 and the MDRX receiver is 1500 And then you still need the motors, the, uh, the uh, Motor X, as they call it. Um, and that, I think, is going to run you uh, – let's see. I don't think they have a price yet for the Motor X. Um, but, yes, so that is Teradek's new fancy-schmancy uh, wireless follow-focus system. Um, so it looks like the Motor X lens motors are fast, silent, lightweight, and precise. Double the torque of the MK3.1 lens motors and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, check that out if you're in the market for a high-end uh, wireless follow-focus um, and the uh, motors can actually be daisy chained together, so that, that's pretty cool. All right, Alex, what do you got? Unless you found out, I found it. Oh, what is it? It's called <laughs> the Terranex Mini 8K, and it's a an SDI to HDMI converter. Is really what it is. Okay. Um, and they say, okay, it allows it's compatible with several third party USB probes. Okay works to automatically align your monitor and the result is saved in the Teranex Mini 8K. Interesting. It has built-in scopes, a waveform parade vector histogram that can be superimposed on any connected display. It handles HDR. You can load in LUTs. Hmm. Uh, it works in both Rec uh, 2020 and Rec 709 color spaces and it supports uh, 100% of the DCI P3 format. 
Interesting. Okay. Anyway. That's pretty cool. Um, For all those post people out there. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Super interesting. I, yeah. And it says it works with 1080p, 4K, and 8K monitors. Jeez. I don't even want to know how much an 8K monitor is. Okay. I don't even want... Why? Why? Uh, unless your post house is doing some uh, VFX. Diminishing returns. Oh, okay. my God. Yeah. So the other thing. This uh-huh. one's really weird, guys. Okay. You ready for this? Yep. Uh, it's called the multi-turret. <sighs> Old school meets new school, they say. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if this is a real product that anyone's <laughs> actually making. It uh, looks like a, a cinematographer has made it for himself. Uh, and maybe, I don't know if it'll be released, but it's an old school camera lens turret for modern cameras. So you can mount three lenses at the same time to your camera and then use the turret to spin the lens you want into, you know, the right position to use. And then when you want to change lenses, you spin a new lens in front of the camera. But here's my question. So, yeah. like the um, the distance between the glass and the sensor is perfectly calibrated. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. putting the lens into the lock on the camera is the perfect distance that the lens needs to be away from the sensor to get the image you want. Yeah, this seems like it would stick it out a little bit further, and well, almost put a gap in there. So, I think you'd have to make it specifically for. Each camera. Yeah. And it would have to be calibrated in a specific way so as to solve that problem. But if you knew if you knew the camera or at least like the mount and sort of like Yeah, the mount. Mm-hmm. Um you'd only you'd be able to make it for that mount and it should work on every camera. Okay. Uh that has that mount. But yeah, I mean it's an issue I'm sure they're dealing with. But uh Which makes me wonder if this is just one guy did this for the camera that he likes or Maybe. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Maybe. Okay. But uh, you know, it's an interesting idea. A lot of cameras used use that back in the day, the area like two C type cameras. Yeah, yeah. Or the uh what was it? I mean all those T V cameras did too. The like, Bolexes had them, I think, and, some of them in and the broadcast uh, cameras, you'd see them all on T V stations. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I had a Russian camera that had That's it. That's right. That's right. It's I, it makes sense to me if you have the camera on sticks. It doesn't make sense if you have the camera on your shoulder. Uh, but I yeah, re- really wonder if this is this guy just made it for himself and he's like kind of showing it off. Could be okay. All right, all right, all right. Well, I want to steal one of Alex's. Uh, what's cool since he found so many with NAB and he was killing it. Uh, the Tokina Cinema, Cinema Vista Prime Vista Ones. The Vista Ones. Yeah, they're so cool. a limited edition of the Vista Primes from uh, Tokina, and they are new single-coated front element and a new look to the lens barrel. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not so big that I'd have to spend all this money on a new look, but I do like the uh, the new single-coated front element, and that single-coating allows for a reduction in contrast and an increase in lens flare. Yeah. When off-axis lighting is used. So, J.J. Abrams is going to be all about these. About it, about it. Um, and these, uh, the the new look is like a, a I would say like a gunmetal gray with um, blue and white lens markings. Yeah. Um, and the kicker is, is that you have to buy a six-complete lens set. You can't buy these individually, these limited editions. 
editions. Yeah. It's at 18, 25, 35, 50, 85, 105. Uh, all T1.5. Uh, so maybe the color's a little off because they went for the speed the same, in, unlike Canon. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, they look cool, though. They look awesome. Uh, and also, no pricing is really available. Of course not. So, um, got to wait for that. They're going to be super expensive. Oh, yeah, they are. They are sexy, I will say that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let, me, let me just do a comparison. Let's see. A Vista Prime, a 35T1 Vista Prime is $5,000. Not bad. Less than the, uh, the $7,500 that, that Canon's asking for their new lenses. So I would say if these are limited edition, you're looking at 7500 probably a lens. Yeah, they'll probably be about the same. Yeah, about the same. About the as same. As the Canons. But not as sexy. The Canons won't be as sexy as these are. Yeah, it's hard to deny that. Except that the 105 regular Vista Prime is 7500 already, so that's going to be about ten. So you're looking at probably $75,000. Yeah. 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 Ooh, sexy. All right, last but not least, yep. I have the Aperture COB 300D Mark II. Oh. We so, like Aperture. We like Aperture. Sure, yeah. Aperture. I mean, they're very, <laughs> sure, yeah. they're po- very yeah, okay. popular. Uh, and, uh, you know, they make a lot of high-powered dish LED lights that yeah. uh, people like because they're inexpensive and they're mm-hmm. nice quality and yeah. they have good color rendering and all that kind of stuff. Um, but... Some people had some issues with the original 300D. Yeah. Because mostly I think it had to do with like the controller and the uh, the power supply ballast all the, and all, all that the kind of cables stuff. you had to connect and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. And so they've cleaned that up. They've made a revised controller with an integrated ballast. Okay. It's 20% brighter. Oh, wow. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, usable with a single battery when it's at 50% brightness. Nice. Uh, and it has streamlined cable management and new controller mounting options to make it just more sort of clean and neat. Okay. Uh, Not which bad. I think people will like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it also has built-in Wi-Fi antennas, antennas so you can uh, control it from your Not bad. phone. Probably iPhone only right it's now. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so they say... Yeah. That they're hoping to ship it in the next two months for around twelve hundred bucks. That's not bad. That yeah. price isn't bad at all. Yeah, and I also saw that um, they just released a, or they were just showing it now. Yeah. A um, a China ball fixture for oh. for this light. So kind of go in the way of the uh, the highs. Yeah, I mean they always have had some cool um, accessories and yeah. stuff, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, nice little china ball. Can't can't hate on that. I mean, that's not bad, guys. I mean, that's it's super bright for that price too. It is, yeah. Um, and the, I mean, it's getting more and more common that you can control these things with your phone. But that's always nice to hear that they're still putting out ones that where it's like, hey, you know what? Just to let you know. You yeah, can, you can do this with your phone. Not bad. Yeah. Well, all right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. What do you think? think, think good? So. All right. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 48. Don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. While you're there, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. And if you have any filmmaking questions, still looking for a bunch more guys so we can do a whole episode by of uh, listener questions, uh, ask away in the comments section and we will try to answer them. Also, don't forget to head on over to fearlessfilmmakers.com yeah. to join our growing community uh-huh. of filmmakers. I love it. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Later. Peace.